Welcome to another episode of the Military Mentor Podcast. I'm your host, Big Chief. So today we have Randall DeZoyke with us, uh, who's a retired lieutenant from the uh, Arapahoe County, Colorado Sheriff's Office and a United States Marine Corps veteran. Uh, he has a graduate's degree in organizational leadership and human resource. Uh, in his military, excuse me, in his law enforcement uh, assignments here, he was a hostage negotiation sergeant, a coordinator for the critical response team, peer support coordinator, and he also worked with the State Office of Behavioral Health to support individuals with mental health diagnosis. He uh, identifies himself as not just a leadership expert, but an expert leader. And he, uh, from the Professional Speakers Bureau, uh, International Incorporated, he has won awards in 2018 and 2019. So it is an honor to have you on today, Randall. And I'm excited to have a conversation with you about public speaking and the impacts that has on society. So let's hop right into it. Well, good morning, sir. And I thank you for taking the time to invite me to your podcast. Absolutely, and absolutely. Quick commend you for the efforts you're doing. Uh, I've looked at some of your other podcasts. You're doing some great work and, and uh, well-deserved kudos to you. Thanks, Randall. I appreciate that. So uh, initially, when I when I reached out to you, I saw that you were, you know, in the space of public speaking. I said, you know, it'd be great to have somebody on the podcast to, to tutor me on becoming a better uh, public speaker so everybody can benefit as I was fine-tuned. And then I dug into your profile a little bit more. And I said, this guy has done a lot more. When I saw hostage negotiations, I said, he must be a master of public speaking at that point. So <laughs> so uh, we had a little uh, conversation before we hopped on. So I want to pick that back up on public speaking and, and the impact that that has uh, for those who don't venture into that space. So a couple of things, as far as being a hostage negotiator, uh, the big thing about being a, uh, the sergeant for the negotiation team, we had two separate teams that bottom line was to develop rapport with the individuals and negotiators, not to just get somebody to come out and cooperate. They have to develop that rapport and it starts with a lot of open-ended questions. If the negotiation team is not working as a team, and discussing what's going on and how we can help this individual that we're working with, then we fail the individual on the other side of the, the phone. And for me, that applies within the community as well. I currently uh, am a lieutenant for uh, Department of Safety here with a major school district here in Denver. And I train the officers and I work with the officers on the communication skills. And the emphasis we put is open-ended questions. I will tell an officer when you're walking through or you're engaging somebody, if they got a Bronco giant, and I'm sorry if, if there are no if somebody out there is not a Bronco fan or they don't like the Broncos. But I tell them if they got a Broncos jacket on, if they got a Cowboys jacket or, or hat or something, ask them how the team is going to develop that, open that up, and have those questions. My family when we are out and about we'll be walking and i'll engage with people in the public hey i like that truck or hey nice jacket or somebody at a military baseball cap or hoodie i'm always wearing marine corps memorabilia everybody buys me marine corps stuff they don't know what else to get me but we engage thank you for your service hey when were you in we just like us as veterans we've got that connection and that rapport but people hesitate to ask simple questions simple comments 
And that's part of being a negotiator. It's the same thing in sales. So I will ask you and your listeners, how many of you are in sales? And when I bring that up in the classroom or in coaching or working with individuals, we will ask that and they're, oh, I'm not, I'm this. And I say, I would disagree. The items, the clothing you wear when you go to a store, my wife's parents are from Naples, Italy. So my wife is very specific about the food she she brings it. You don't bring uh, ragu sauce in the house and you don't bring instant rice. My my <laughs> grandparents are from Japan, so they're very specific about that. And why? Rice is rice. Sauce is sauce. We sell ourselves every day when we get up on what we're going to wear. We sell ourselves on the vehicles. I've got a pickup. My wife's got a, a an SUV. My employer makes me drive a Ford SUV and I'm a Chevy guy, but you know, you look at that and we sell ourselves daily, what we wear, what foods we eat, where we're going to go, the people we hang out with. And I try to work with individuals to get past that concept that, well, I'm not in sales. I can't this. I did a quick Google search this morning uh, before we got on and I looked at, I came up, I said, words associated with fear or words used to describe fear. Over 37 million words, just real quick this morning. Words to describe failure, over 38 million. Then I went and looked at confidence and I saw 34 million, now 34, 37, 38, not a big difference. But when you're talking millions of words, you're talking a difference of three or $8 million or 8 million words, not dollars. Three or 8 million word difference. We focus more on failure and fear than we do on confidence. And in some of our conversations earlier, we talked about mentoring and guiding people. That is one of the biggest challenges I've seen working in public schools, working in law enforcement and the military. You figure I've worn a uniform and served our country or our community for over 30 years. And it comes down to is facing that confidence. People are so bombarded with the negative when they get up to do public speaking or speak in front of a small group doesn't doesn't have to be a formal speech they hesitate they don't want to look like a fool they don't want people to ridicule them and that keeps them from things when as a lieutenant with a sheriff's office we would pick officers in the team give them a, a section of policy we would tell them research the policy look at how to apply shared duties bring that in and then they would have to present that in briefing. We do the same thing in the community. If you go out to religious organizations, and I try to be involved in some of them in the community. Uh, another one is Special Olympics. I'm a big believer in doing Special Olympics. Yes, people paid money to tell this lieutenant to jump in a freezing lake. <laughs> I don't know if that was for the for the special athletes or just to tell me where to go. I'm, I'm, and I'm not asking because I'm not sure I want to know the answer. <laughs> But you go out and you look at these athletes, and if you have the opportunity in different places, I've done here in Colorado, these are athletes that have limitations that you and I and a lot of our veterans do not have. And they try in their heart. And I tell people, go watch these individuals, go out and support them. My daughter, when she was in school, her and I were ambassadors for Special Olympics, and we went out and we would talk to different people and we'd encourage and bring people in. And that's one thing I don't think we're doing enough of. 
quite let, rich. Let, let me ask you this. So, so you described, uh, you know, a lot of aspects of, of how to start off with public speaking, having small open-ended conversations. But, but I feel like, you know, there's not an impetus for most people to even get started. It's not a, a skill set that they feel um, they, they have to develop. I, I run a team of about, you know, 12 individuals and, and I don't get the, the feeling that public speaking is a skill set that they feel okay, I have to refine this, I have to build it, build this up because what's the impact, um, you know, from, from getting that. It's just like, like you described earlier, I was watching a clip of Jerry Seinfeld before we could have connected and he said that, you know, fear is, is the number one, you know, the fear of public speaking is, is like ranked number one and number two to that is death. He said, so at a funeral, people would rather be in the casket than give him the eulogy. And, and you know, it's like, why would I put myself in that uncomfortable position? They said 75% of the, the US population has a fear of public speaking. So why would, you know, those 75% feel like I have to develop the skill to achieve what? So how do, how do we actually, you know, highlight this, this problem set of, you know, when you don't speak up, you can't champion the things that that you you know find important. You know, societal issues. Um, how do we how do we frame that um, to get people to say, hey, this is something that you need to look at to develop the skill. So I'll use it. Uh, simple question: Do you want to be a follower? Do you want to be a leader? Do you want to go where in life, or do you just want to ride life through? And people that I've worked with hesitate whether they're not going to get anywhere. If in the military to become an NCO, you're in front of troops, you're leading and you have to be able to motivate them. Minor, even, even if you're looking at taking it from the, the verbal to the written, if you, I tell people read a lot, like you're saying, you're watching uh, Springer and, and like watching your podcast in order to move on or to be out and open to new opportunities you need to be able to express that in clear concise data-driven presentations if you look at for us the the promotion process there's interviews somebody applies for a job and if they're going to interview the questions simple questions that people stumble if and it's standard in a lot of my, my degree in uh, organizational leadership and human resource. We talk about the interview process and a simple question that a lot of people ask, tell us about yourself. If you think about that as an elevator pitch, how are you selling yourself? You've got a couple of minutes and you lose the, the people. And I've been on both sides. I've gone out and done assessments for their other organizations and helped them. You lose the person on the other side of the table that's doing the interview if you're not clear and succinct. Simple example, I was asked during one interview a number of years ago, who is my favorite author? What's that got to do with the position? Nothing. It has to do with how you think. Now that person got more than they bargained for because they said Miyamoto Musashi. And he's like, Miyamoto? Miyamoto Musashi, <laughs> Samurai 1600 rings, and I'll leave that alone. But if they're not prepared, if they're not, they stumble at the interview process. They stumble at a promotion process. They stumble if they're out trying to motivate and get engaged, get people engaged in a community event. If they're doing something as simple as a community garden, something as simple as a religious 
uh, a team in a religious organization putting together to go and do something. Special Olympics. If we're not passionate about it, we've got to be able to approach it with logic, but apply to their motion. And if you're not structured, you're not going to sell them. If you have one position open and 10 people apply, the person that sells themselves the, the best doesn't matter if they have the same experience on paper. They're appealing to the motion. They're going to say, I like that person. So if you want to promote up, if you want to get a different job, think about something as simple as asking a person out on a date. You walk up and you stumble. Think back to, like her says, Mike, we go back to high school, asking that, asking them out. Boy, that was tough. Okay. You go up and you stumble, you, you're tongue-tied, your mouth's all dry, and you, you want to ask them out to dance or dinner or something like that. Better you work on those communication skills, the more you will see succeed. But not just that, as supervisors and as leaders, we help our teams develop and grow. We set the example. If we're clear about it, they start seeing that. If we're leaders in personal development, we're leaders in that communication skill. I had recently had a conversation with an officer that had sent an email and it was the content and the structure. He was perfectly right in, in, the, in the content, but I said, it's the message. You put everybody in defense because of the way you came at it. And if you're working on speaking, you think open-ended questions, like I said, with the negotiation team, it's open-ended. When they come in and ask, who is your favorite author? Tell us about yourself. Give me an example of a success in your life in an area that you could have done better. Think about that and take a breath. If you look at a public debate or presidential debate or any of this political, they always have a glass of water or a bottle of water. They take that. They're not necessarily thirsty. They're stopping to think about it. And we generally in society blurt out an answer. You know, you think about haircuts, you know, you got, you got more hair than I do. If we talk about that, it's something simple, but it's not offensive. It's clear, it's concise. I save money on a haircut. I don't worry about it. There's nothing there to cut. So if they want to succeed, if they want to promote, if they want that uh, position, they want to apply for a position, if they want to sell something, uh, motivate some of the things that you're working on, I commend you for that and the passion you put into it. And you hit on some of that, how you're working, you're putting together a team, you know, it's a presentation, it's a package. If you go out and look at some of the ads and the sales, they're hitting things out there that draw us in. How are you presenting that so they, they see your message? That's where they want to succeed. Don't let the fear of stumbling. I like, I like to get out and talk to people. I like to push that because I get better the more I interact with others. I've connected with people on LinkedIn. I have nothing to do with my professional background. Nothing. But if we're not open to those conversations and if we don't bridge that gap and have that willingness, overcome that fear, to go out and ask those questions, get to know somebody about something, we're going to be followers the rest of our lives. And yeah. if somebody wants, that's up to them. Yeah, and I, I believe that that you know when, when I was reading uh, an article about uh, public speaking, one of the things that they highlight as, as a fear is how the message will be perceived. When you have a new idea, most people are hesitant to present that because they, they said, "Hey, I'm in a, an audience. 
of people and somebody might be more of an expert in this topic. Somebody might disagree with my opinion around this subject. So when you start talking about it, I feel like you end up analyzing what you want to say, what your message is, and then it stops you dead in your tracks and you say, you know what, either A, I'm not going to do it at all, or B, I'm going to have a very difficult time portraying that because of my, you know, projecting that somebody might that might be analyzing in a negative way uh, what we're saying. So, you know, we highlighted earlier um, before we connected about how when people have opinions about societal issues and they say, well, if I speak about this uncomfortable thing, uh, people may re may receive me wrong, so I'm not going to speak up. And then what happens when you when you have that that issue on scale? You know, when you have 75% of the population that views issues but everyone's afraid to speak up then you have the other 25 percent that have to do the work you know and the question is how how wide of an impact can 25 percent of the population have you know i think collectively you know when people heed the message like you compared it to the smaller scale if you can't have a conversation peer-to-peer -peer, you know the girl that you're interested in you have a hard time breaking that ice then then how do we develop leaders that can address larger scale issues Agreed. And one of the things that has come out, some of my peers uh, where I work now have brought it up that they enjoy being in groups and teams with me because I'm willing to have those tough conversations. I'll take that to the conversation you and I had earlier, a young female, a Muslim, a black Muslim female applying for a position with us. And she asked about wearing her hajib while she's on duty. And, and that bothered me that she would even have to ask. So when an opportunity presented itself, she stopped by the office and I asked her, I said, can you please educate me? I have no idea what the background and, and the challenges you face. I, I've got to get out of my comfort zone here. It starts by asking those questions. We've got to get over that fear of looking like a fool and ask the question. And she sat down and she gave me a big family history and so on. And it was great. It doesn't change how I am or how I live my life for me, but it gives me an understanding of where she's coming from. We've got to be willing to have those, those conversations. And it starts with that speaking and that engagement, that openness. And I think the team grows from that. And as a leader, I tell people, if you got to come to my office and drop the F-bomb, you come in my office, close the door, and we have those. Have officers call me out. But it starts with that conversation that I said in the academy. It starts from the conversations as the leader and as a lieutenant, even when as a sergeant, even going back to the private sector and all the work I've done there, is asking those questions. And one of the things I put on a board, I've gone out, done some presentations in the private sector, and now I'm seeing it on LinkedIn, but I've been doing it for years. I'll put four math problems on the board, like nine times one, nine times two, nine times three, and so on. And I always put nine times one is 10. And they, they say, Lieutenant, you're an idiot. And they said, no, you focused on the one thing that was wrong. What about the other three that were right? Mm -hmm. And it comes back to the speaking. You stumble on something, but you continue to move. And you ask those questions. Don't let that one nine times one equals 10 hold you back. If you hesitate, a boss comes down on you because you presented something. They said, well, that was a stupid idea. Go back and ask the question, well, boss, how do you think I could have done it? What are some things I could consider in the future to make this work? How can I help you, boss, get this done? If you're looking at the needs and the benefit of others as well, 
you're drawing them into it. Don't don't butt heads. Ask questions. You want to grow? Be open to those tough conversations. I remember when I when I first uh, joined the military, and I kind of resonate with the story of, of that uh, you know Muslim female that was working for you because. Uh, back in 92, I, I also converted to Islam. I was looking for, you know, the right religion. Grandfather, uh, you know, was a pastor, grew up in the church, and and I had questions. I said, you know, there's, you know, so many religions in the world. How do I know I was born into the right one? I need to do some soul searching. So converted to Islam, joined the military, and I remember being in basic training as an 18-year-old kid. And uh, on Sundays, you would sign out for religious services. So they would have these sheets, you know, you'd meet downstairs in the Bay Area and then they had, you know, the Catholic services and the Baptist services. And then on the sign-on sheet for Islam, on the top of it, it said lessons on how to blow shit up. That's what it said. And, that, and that's what we had to sign out on to go to religious services. And, oh, and, and, and I, I, didn't, I didn't know how to process that, you know, and I didn't know how to stick up for myself. I was, you know, brand new in the military, just, you know, fresh out into the world. And I was experiencing this other side of, uh, you know, trying to create a voice, speak up for myself and, and be a part of the group that says, okay, you're discriminated against because growing up in Brooklyn, I didn't experience the racism in the South. Uh, I was experiencing a little bit of it in, in Virginia when we moved down there, but it wasn't crazy like probably people who grew up further South, but that was the first time I experienced any type of discrimination. Fast forward to 2006, getting ready to deploy to Iraq and, and you know, a few of my, my battle buddies started asking the question, hey, you know, you're Muslim. So when we go down to Iraq, if you had to make a choice between, you know, shooting us or shooting, shooting the, the, the bad guys, who, who are you going to shoot? Wow. And, and, and again, you know, at this point in time, I was a little more mature. Uh, so so I just took it upon myself to educate. I didn't get upset. I just took it as these people are ignorant. This is my opportunity to educate. So, so I kind of went on that that crusade for you know my 15 month deployment really because I realized that you know a lot of folks would, would go down into this environment and rather than than being a good ambassador for what we were there to do, they they would you know kind of create more problems by expressing discrimination and you know calling you know the the Iraqi folks who were working with us sacrificing themselves you know by by derogatory names and and you know it was a, it was a journey of education and the military is really a microcosm of a society uh just because you wear a uniform doesn't mean everybody is the best uh representative so you know even in the military i had to learn how to get to a point of uh of speaking up and being an advocate you know educating and things of that nature so you know i kind of really started the journey of character development for me on, on, until you go through the adversity um, the starting point, you know, the, that seed gets planted and say, here's a reason, here's something I have to speak up for. You know, I think until that, that seed's planted and it has to be something significant, you have to have a major why to kind of, to ignite that, that, that drive to say, I need to go and speak for something. And over time, you know, that has grown to many things as we discussed earlier, the mass shootings, the, the social inequalities we have, there's so many things to, you know, that we, you know, as leaders, have to speak up for so it just kind of reinforces that and, and it's just the journey of bringing other people along other people who have similar stories you know like the young lady that you took the time to bring in your office and say hey explain to me and help me understand so that i can be an advocate for you and i can understand when i come across this problem set again and i think i think that's an important thing it truly is and you know we talk about the military and when i'm at work with individuals they talk about well in our lt i'm afraid to get up there you know what if i somebody said okay i was scared to death as an 18 year old kid going in the Marine Corps 
the first time I put that harness on to repel over a cliff, your body is screaming at you, this is not right. Yeah. The fight or flight, that run, hide, or fight kicks in. I'm like, what did I get myself? But once you get over that cliff and you're a long way down, and, and uh, one of my roommates in the Marine Corps repelling out of a helicopter, not good belay, lost, somebody wasn't paying attention. He lost control, fell, coming down, full speed, broke his back in two places. Oh, wow. Got healed, came right back, got, came back, came back on duty. I have guys that have gotten beat up and, you know, training and different things just wears you out. That is a physical fear. But why are we letting the hesitation to have those conversations, to bring it out, to go and present in public? Find something you stand for. And I commend you. If you're not willing to address it and be part of the discussion, you're part of the problem. Don't challenge something unless you're willing to help with it. Doesn't mean we're all going to agree. Doesn't mean we're going to, uh, you know, go out and, you know, run around or do anything like that. But it brings us together and it opens up opportunities and it opens up other people's eyes. There are some people that I've dealt with that will dig their heels in and don't want to change because that's what's worked for them to this point. But if you're not willing to change, one of the examples. One of my mentors growing up, uh, Dennis Sopto, they own a Japanese family. They owned a retail garden center here in, in Denver. And I worked for them in high school in a small family. And Dennis said, Randy, do you know why we are still in business and the others are not? Because we listen to our customers, we have those conversations, and we grow in a dam for the needs and wants of our community. And that's as a business owner. And we as individuals, if we're not supporting each other, some of the conversations we had earlier, one of my sergeants, uh, black sergeant, uh, army veteran, grew up in Georgia, and he's told me some horrendous stories about growing up in Georgia, and you talk about that. I don't understand. I've not been there. I grew up as a uh, white Japanese Buddhist here in Denver, and I was profiled and I picked on because of my last name, and I had more fights than I can remember because of my last name. That doesn't mean they were bad or I was bad. It was a misunderstanding. It was a, not a misunderstanding, it's a lack of understanding. But it starts with that communication skills. It starts with that willingness to ask the question. Um, I had a, a, a black officer I worked with, phenomenal officer. We are talking about doing the polar plunge for Special Olympics. And I asked him about doing it, just him and I. And he made a racially inappropriate comment as a black officer. And I had to challenge him. I said, well, whoa, back up a minute. Clarify why. Why did you say that? And he went back through and we clarified. He says, well, I guess you're all right, LT. So for me, it starts with facing that fear, just like repelling. That's The repelling is, is a dangerous thing to do. Having a conversation, it's emotionally impacting. Some people, you may get in a fight. I've had a number of mine in my career. Marines, you know, you know how those Marines are, Mike. <laughs> we go looking yeah. for the trouble. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. And that's why I love the Marines, because they always look for the trouble. <laughs> yeah. So, so you, yeah, let us loose and then everything else is good. But you've got to have those conversations. Um, and like I said, with the, the speaking, it's not just a formal process. I, I, I can work with individuals, go through putting a speech together. I can go through the coaching and working, tell them, record it, listen to yourselves. We do a lot of ums and this, and we talk with our hands. People always... 
open hands. There, you, there's a number of different things out there, books and coaching sessions and so on, but it has to start internal. It has to start with that. What are we willing to accept and what are we willing to do about it? And who do we engage with? The, the podcast and things you're putting together, listening to some of your, your previous guests, uh, phenomenal work. And I enjoy listening to them. I learn from listening to them. Um, so I commend you. We got to yeah, keep doing yeah. it. I appreciate that. I appreciate that, Randall. And, and honestly, you know, this is it's a work of passion, but it's also a work of self-development because I realize every time that I get on a podcast and I said on the very first one, I said, hey, I'm not a professional podcast guy. I'm going to make a lot of mistakes and a lot of things are just going to be shooting from the hip. So a lot of times I don't know what I'm going to talk about. I just push play and I say, let me talk to the world, you know, and I just I just go off of, uh, you know, kind of what I'm convicted about. And I, I tell po- folks about mentorship. I said, you have to, you know, really assess yourself and find out what you're passionate about. Like, what is the the, the bottom line thing that if you had to d- deliver a message to the world or you say, hey, people will be better, society would be better if they inherited this one attribute or this one moral or value that I have. And you have to figure out what that is. And that's the impetus for you to go out there and mentor. Because now it's just a matter of spreading that ideal, that value, that that lesson. And, and that's really, you know, I'm passionate about a lot of things. And, and that's why I, this podcast is is my platform to, to speak to the world about things that I'm passionate about. And then I seek out individuals like yourself and Major General Gronsky, who are also passionate about things and say, you know, collectively, um, there's messages that we need to deliver out to the world, like we discussed earlier about, you know, the issue with, you know, youth in America today that don't have access to alternative leadership options. And, and that's essentially what we're providing. We're, we're discussing things and saying, hey, develop yourself this way, because here's the value in it. You know, um, you know, and a lot of times the, the folks that, you know, are in the streets that are doing the grassroots approach because they're the drug dealers or the gangbangers that lead by intimidation who, you know, achieve, you know, wealth through through illegal activities. Those are the grassroots folks that if we're not doing it, they're doing it, you know, and yeah. and, and and that's why that's where we interject is is to to spread spread that out those ideas. So I you know I definitely appreciate when individuals such as yourself take time to share some of these ideas. And although public speaking is not something people immediately connect to social impact, there is a there's a conversation there. Yes, and one of the things, and like you, Mike, I I'm looking at. Physically, I'm, I'm done wearing a badge. I've got to go out, but I'm not done serving. I'm not done providing that. And one of the things we talked about, I'm forming my own LLC, going out doing uh, coaching and consulting and leadership development, decision-making skills. But that's how we do it. I, I can't do the job anymore, but it can help others learn to do things and, and learn and grow. I'm not saying I have all the answers. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I've stumbled and fall. Uh, my peers and my inner circle, my family will tell you, yeah, I've stepped in at a time or two, but you got to be willing to go out there and try it. And what you're doing is, is part of that. Uh, General Gronsky, and, and we talked earlier, what's the gentleman's name? Da- you? David Mew. David Mew, listening to him and the passion that stumbled. And for him to come out and talk about that, phenomenal. I was impressed. And you look at that. So there's a lot of it going on, and and I hope uh, to continue to grow and contribute to it in the, the same passion that you're presenting. Dave, we have about about five minutes left, and I want to give you the last little piece to to kind of share your big idea as we wrap this up. So my big idea is people willing to have conversations. I am setting up my own LLC, a Doizakian Leadership, 
to do coaching. And just like now, uh, 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 you're getting a lot of that uh, 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 from me. I don't have a, a speech prepared on that. It's coming from within, but it's about others. It's about helping others. Uh, I look at family around us and what's going on in the community and the way I was raised and we we're stumbling in some of this. I think we could do better with our leaders to take some of that experience we've got. We have a lot of younger individuals coming up, moving into not just leader position, leadership positions, and I delineate between management and leadership. You can learn the skills. I teach a graduate level college course on management. It's not the same as leadership. Leadership has to come from within. And it starts with, like you're saying, the mentoring. People go out and find a mentor. Find a couple of mentors. Find people in different areas. Get outside your comfort zone. Go and I've got people that are doing things. I have, I have people talk to me about zero point energy. And I'm like, what in the world is that? <laughs> but be open to that. Find it, especially the younger generation. Find mentors, not people to follow because they're doing certain, even in the military. You and I have seen it. We've seen people that go down the wrong path and they challenge things. Find mentors to help you learn and grow to get you out of your comfort zone. Be willing to be uncomfortable to get out of that and, and grow. But I do appreciate the work you're doing. Thanks, Randall. And I really appreciate you taking the time to join us on this podcast. Um, so hopefully we'll have more conversation. There's a lot to talk wrap about your background. So I'd love to have you on again in the future. Definitely. And I will continue to send you profiles that I think would be good uh, connection for you and, and I'll send yours to others. Awesome. Thank you so much, uh, Randall. So if you guys like this episode, please subscribe and leave comments uh, on what you guys think about the, the idea of public speaking and the impact of society. So, hey, Randall, thank you so much. Uh, we're going to wrap it up here and, you know, we'll post this, this message and hopefully we'll talk again soon. Stay safe and keep on pushing, sir. Thanks, Randall. Ciao. Take care. Bye.